school resource officers. So this seems to be a, a fairly hot button issue right now because this program was suspended in 2022. Now, Edmonton Public Schools, as of yesterday, released a report titled, bear with me here, this is a long one, The Experiences of Racialized and Marginalized Populations with the School Resource Officer Program at Edmonton Public Schools. Now, in that report, it indicates that most parents, I'm using air quotes here, most Edmonton families support police in public schools, even racialized ones. That was part of the big criticisms were school resource officers unfairly targeting people of color in schools. This report suggests no, and that we should reintroduce this program back into schools. But is there more to this story? And is there maybe more to this report and what it didn't touch on or didn't didn't ask. We're going to get to right now with our guest. She's a former Edmonton Public School Board trustee and a PhD candidate in education at the University of Alberta. Bridget Sterling is joining us. Bridget, thanks for making the time. Really appreciate getting your perspective on this. Hey, thanks for having me on. You've been quite outspoken on Twitter, uh, criticizing the report first and foremost. So uh, I just want to know what makes you what makes you feel passionate about about this topic as a whole, about school resource officers before we get into the criticism of the report. Yeah, um, so part of part of the reason that I I become really passionate about this issue is because of the stories that I heard um, from youth and and from parents about experiences that they had with school resource officers, you know, and, and certainly it's it's not every student who has these experiences, but the stories that I had did hear were extremely troubling. You know, heard from uh, students who were one of them, uh, one of our student trustees. You know, a, a very high achieving young person um, talking about how um, at her school when arriving at school in the morning, their school resource officer would specifically sort of pick out students of color to interact with, right? Um, So she felt that they were being racially profiled and and observed, um, heard from a parent of a child with autism who had a really upsetting experience with a school resource officer when they were in in, in, in a meltdown, which is something that happens for, for young people with autism sometimes and um, who who had an interaction that involved, you know, physical contact that, that made her not want to go to school for a couple of years, right? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and then we also had emerge a whole bunch of really troubling um, things came to light about school resource officers who had been placed in the school resource officer program after engaging in conduct on that, you know, was under investigation. So they were removed from, you know, uh, removed from duty and put into these rules. So we had things like one mm. of the officers involved in the sweatbox um, incidents, which for people who don't remember was um, the officers picked up a number of homeless people, um, put them in a police van and drove them around on an extremely hot day for quite a long time before dumping them uh, quite far uh, from where they've been picked up. Mm-hmm. So uh, really dangerous conditions for people. And, and other incidents like that, there are a whole bunch of them that we documented, um, you know, talking to some community members and looking at what had happened, that there were um, a fair number of these officers uh, that school resource officer program seemed um, for at least a time period to be a place where you know, the Edmonton Police Service felt it was appropriate to put these um, officers who'd been engaged in violent and sometimes racist conduct. 
So that take us back, Bridget, to this report that was issued, because in this report, it suggests that most Edmonton families support this program being reinstated. So is this is this because there are issues with the report itself and the way that it was conducted? Yeah, I think there's two things to think about here, right? Um, first of all, that that the majority of students may not have a negative experience with an SRO, and that's for a number of reasons. Um, but that we need to be very aware that a program that's even harming um, you know, say one in 10 or one in five students is um, a significant concern. Um, you know, it may be a minority of students, but what's the harm that those students are experiencing? Uh, I also had some concerns about the report itself, and there were a number of things, um, one of which was that the report was not what I would consider independent. Um, the team that was selected to conduct it conducted the report that was completed for Edmonton Catholic Schools, uh, and the team had no um, expertise uh, from people in education. The team was led by um, criminologists, people who have expertise in prisons primarily, uh, and to some extent gangs. Right, So people who study prisons who are now looking at schools, and these are very, very different places with very different purposes. Right, The purpose of schools is to educate youth, um, you know, and we need to think about what we're doing. Um, there's also a number of other concerns I had about the sample process and the representation of who was asked. Um, we saw ads go out really late in the process. You know, we were seeing them, um, you know, many months after this report was supposedly initiated. Hmm. Um, and there have been some concerns raised about whether there was representative recruitment. Um, you know, uh, and also there haven't been SROs in Edmonton Public Schools since before the COVID shutdown. I think that's a such a... Yeah, it's such an interesting point that you bring up. And there's a there's a long thread of tweets, as I mentioned, you've been very outspoken talking yeah. about this um, and bringing a lot of opinion to it. And I think a lot of interesting points that maybe weren't considered. And that's one of them. That's one that stuck out to me is that most most students that have had any long term experience or exposure to SROs would have probably already graduated. These haven't been in place since before COVID, which was realistically you know a long time ago when you put it into uh, when you try to factor that into the length of someone's education. Yeah, I mean, you think back to March of 2020, right? Most of those students, particularly who would have been in high school at that point in time, have graduated and gone on. Um, And it's difficult, and I I recognize it's difficult to recruit those students to participate in the study. Um, But then, you know, what happens, depending on your method of recruitment, right, you can end up with a group, a focus group that does not actually represent the full range of experience. Hmm. You can end up with a very... Um, you know, unbalanced focus group, depending on how you recruit and, and how much time you take in that recruitment. Um, and and the, the reality is, is that the longer a student has contact with SROs, um, the more potential there is for those negative experiences. So um, if a student only experienced them in, say, grade eight, um, grade seven or eight, you know, when they're in junior high, because there are some junior high schools that have had SROs before this uh, suspension. They um, they only had maybe a year or two of experience, and at a younger age, where they're less likely to have those negative experiences. 
Bridget Sterling is a former Edmonton Public School Board trustee and PhD candidate in education, excuse me, at the University of Alberta, talking about this report, suggesting most Edmonton families support police in public schools, even racialized ones. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one too, Chad Nation. Send a text, 780-496-0063. Bridget, there's so much more that I want to get to with you, but we have to take a very short break. So stand by. We'll be really quick with it, and we'll get right back into this conversation in three minutes. We're talking about school resource officers, police presence in public schools. Is that an option that we should be pursuing? Once again, this was a program that was instated and then uh, was taken apart in 2020. Now we're revisiting the idea of introducing it back into public schools. Our guest is former Edmonton Public School Board trustee and PhD candidate in education at the University of Alberta, Bridget Sterling. Bridget, thank you so much for sticking around on hold. Value your time this afternoon. Thanks. So we're talking about this report uh, that was issued that suggests most Edmonton families do support police in public schools. And you you take issue with some of the uh, some of the, the ways that the report was conducted, the way that people were, were spoken to or the, the sample size that was spoken to in this report. Do you do you support the idea of school resource officers having a place in public schools if there were a different metric of gathering the information to find out if this is something that actually is logical to do? I mean, personally, I don't. Um, And that's because we need more than just one report. And when you look at the broader research on school resource officer programs, um, and you even look at what police themselves have said about these programs, they're not primarily created to benefit students. They're primarily um, initiated as both public relations campaigns for police and as a way to Quite explicitly, uh, sometimes it's been stated to get access and relationships into minority communities. Um, you know, they, they've become the norm in schools, I think, partly because of <clears throat> underfunding. Right. So, so we no longer, I think most people, some people might be surprised to know that we don't have, you know, school counselors, social workers, nurses, all those folks necessarily available in all our schools on a full-time basis, you know, those are people who are actually trained to work with youth, and um, the there's a or a, a study done in Alberta, actually by um, you know by folks who are pro school resource officer, including a police chief, um, looking at SR, SROs and a number of factors. Um, but one of the things that that um, showed was that there is no little or no training for school resource officers. They're not trained in working with youth. Um, There may be some people with some background in that, but for other folks, their experience may be things like volunteering on a soccer team, and there's no specific training. You know, when you look at people who do child and youth work, they're usually spending multiple years in school specifically training to work with with youth populations. And police officers are just not a substitute for that. So I hear people say, there's that adult that kids have a relationship with and that helps divert them. Sure, but we there are lots of people who can fulfill that role as, of a supportive adult who don't come with a gun and a badge and the ability to arrest students. I wonder, though, if that hints at a bigger problem that we're dealing with with our public schools and that the resources mm-hmm. to do that simply aren't available. And this this might be one solution to try to keep some sort of of, of order or balance. Yeah, I I think that's where we really have to ask is if we are reaching for a solution that does not actually work to solve the problem we're trying to solve Mm. and that 
actively causes harm to, yes, a minority of students, but when you read through the report, it's it's not a tiny minority. You're talking about, you know, depending on the responses, between 5 and 20 percent-ish of kids who've had some sort of negative interaction. Uh, you know, is is it worth having that funding go into that program, or should that be put towards other other tools. And then we, we haven't tried a lot of those tools, right? The, a lot of those things have not been done to see what they could do or that those options aren't out there, you know, and that's, that's a thing. And they're, they're not, the evidence on whether they prevent crime is really mixed. It's not clear. And um, despite what people think, they don't actually, um, if you look at the data on it, which primarily comes out of the U.S. and school shootings, they don't actually generally prevent violent incidents at schools either, as Hmm. much as people think that they might. Do you anticipate that this is going to be something that Edmonton Public Schools are are simply going to move forward on anyways? Do you think that we're going to see reinstitution of of school resource officers? I don't know. Um, I know that there are some recommendations in the report for changes to the program. I'm a bit skeptical about those changes that are suggested. Some of them are um, not really good evidence-based things to put in. Things like anti-bias or mental health training um, isn't really that effective. In fact, there's some some research now showing that anti-bias training, um, depending on the type of it, can actually cause more harm than good. Um, can you, you know, can you expand on that? Because I feel like that goes against the, the what what we've heard in the past. Wouldn't how how could that have a negative side effect? It depends on how the programming is structured, and so and this is sort of a little bit outside of my area of expertise. So there are folks who could speak to this better. But the way that anti bias programming is developed um, can really um, can really shape how people respond to it, and hmm. so. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily an effective tool, um, you know. And and these biases are really deep seated in people. And I'm not sure that a, a one day training course or a couple of days is really going to shift entrenched attitudes. It's, it's it's a problem. I think there's other suggestions about having them not wear guns. People have talked about that or not wear uniforms, but in reality, they still have the powers of police. And there's been concerns raised with me by criminal defense lawyers, for example, about the ways in which the school resource officer working with a school principal uh, can circumvent um, students' charter rights in some really concerning ways. When a student is labeled um, an offender by a school resource officer, does that have any sort of criminal weight to it? If they have an interaction with one of them, is that going to carry them? Is that going to follow them around for life? Well, that's... So there was a FOIP... Um, done a while ago by uh, Alex DeCosta and Bashir Mohammed, and they released the the information from it. And what it said was that about 20,000 students had been labeled as right. offenders, but a much smaller percentage of students, much, much smaller, uh, had actually been um, either um, disciplined through suspension or expulsion or had been um, in a diversion program or arrested. Like, this is a much bigger pool of students than that. And so that's what's not clear I mean, when we think about the way police usually use language, offender has a really specific meaning. Mm. And, you know, it, it means somebody who has, you know, in the, in the legal system, somebody who's committed a crime is usually what people use that to refer to. And so when we're labeling 20,000 students as offenders, and yet the students haven't been arrested, haven't been convicted of anything, there's no clarity on why those students have been labeled that way. It's really concerning. You know, if somebody is 
for some some unidentifiable reason, making a determination that a student is an offender when they haven't been convicted of a crime, we don't know how they're deciding that, and we don't know how that then shapes that student's experience right. at school um, and their potential future record. Bridget, thank you so much for speaking to this today. Uh, really appreciate getting your perspective. Thank you. Of course. Take care. That's Bridget Sterling, a former Edmonton Public School Board trustee and PhD candidate in education at the University of Alberta, talking about school resource officers. Is this a program that we should bring back?